So hello, everybody. Welcome back to season two of the Return of Ritual podcast. I'm your host, Amber Winston, and I'm so happy to be here today because we have a very exciting guest. So for those of you who have listened to season one and have been here from the beginning, or for any of you who are new and just tuning in, you know, the reason behind the Return of Ritual podcast and movement is really based on my own observations of society. And when I look back at, you know, ancient civilizations and ancient cultures, you can see that they've designed a way of living around ritual and ceremony, around sacred living, conscious living. And I feel like over time, we've kind of lost that in our Western society. And specifically now, you know, with with technology and so many of us kind of being pitted against one another, um, I really feel strongly to help bring ritual and ceremony back into the forefront of society and ultimately help you in your own remembrance of remembering who you are, why you're here, and what you're meant to do. So with that, I would like to introduce a very lovely guest, somebody that I uh, actually came across through Carrie Hummingbird, who's also been uh, interviewed on this series. Uh, her name is Tanya Gabrielle. So welcome to the show, Tanya. Thank you so much, Amber. That's a beautiful introduction. I couldn't agree more with what you're saying. So thank you for having me. It's such a wonderful treat to have you. Um, so I follow a lot of Tanya's work. She sends out a ton of really fabulous communications about what's happening in the stars. She does weekly forecasts. She does longer episodes looking at the star codes and I find them extremely helpful. And so it's such a treat to have her on the show. But for those of you who aren't maybe familiar with Tanya's work, I do just want to spend a little time reading her bio because it's it's really quite fantastic. And I had no idea that she's a classical composer as well. So <laughs> let me just read your bio so that everybody who's listening to this gets um, a little glimpse into who Tanya is. So Tanya is a highly sought after spiritual intuitive and personal growth leader. Tanya Gabrielle inspires legions of praise from her clients and followers. Tanya introduced the merging of two ancient divination arts, astrology and numerology to the Western world, unlocking the codes in the stars, names and numbers to facilitate wealth and well-being with a primary focus on teaching spiritual principles that manifest practical real life results. Her Star Codes podcast, videos and articles inspire tens of thousands of viewers per month, and I am definitely one of them. Uh, Tanya Gabrielle was featured and quoted in the New York Times, Los Angeles Times, USA Today, Entertainment Weekly, ESPN Magazine, Essence Magazine, ESPN.com, Yahoo.com, and US Magazine. Wow. Uh, as the founder and creator of Numerology Academy, the first online certification course integrating astrology and numerology, Tanya has taught and certified hundreds of students in 37 countries. Tanya's new book, The Ultimate Guide to Numerology, unlocks the secret messages of birthdays, names, addresses, personal forecasts, the meaning of 1111, and other codes to facilitate soul-inspired growth, fulfillment, and financial flow. Also, as a gifted classical composer, Tanya has had her music performed worldwide in the most prestigious concert halls by Grammy award-winning artists. Wow. <laughs> I listen to that and say, who's that person? <laughs> 
it's an amazing bio. I, I absolutely love, love this. So I'm dying to know, and I actually ask everybody that comes on the Return of Ritual podcast this question to start, but I think it's just even more exciting to have you on the show. What is your sign? My sign is Taurus. Taurus. Yes. And so do you resonate with that being your sun sign? Well, you know, as an astrologer and numerologist, I don't just go by the sun sign. <laughs> There's the moon sign, the rising sign, and then there could be signs where you have a lot of planets. Uh, so yeah, I resonate with Taurus, but I also resonate with, with other signs. Um, really, Venus is the planet that rules uh, pretty much everything in my chart. So it's that planet that I really resonate with more than just a specific Taurian energy. Yeah. I know it's kind of a loaded question, I would say for an astrologer. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it's fun too, because some people who come on the show, you know, they, they know they're like, well, I'm this sun, this is my rising, this is my moon. And they yeah. kind of encompass the whole chart. And I think that that's, what's so interesting about astrology is that it's not just one, you know, we have the sun sign, right. But then your ascendant really has a lot to do with things where planets are clustered, like you're saying yeah. as well. And I love, so what's the connection with Venus? How do you feel like that is coming forth in your work and who you are? Well, in general, Venus is being introduced back into our human experience, as is the number 13, which has been removed uh, for thousands of years. And that's because both represent the divine feminine and Taurus is ruled by Venus. And I have a lot of Libra in my chart as well, which is the other sign ruled by Venus. So I, I never made the connection until recently when I started noticing how the number 13 was coming up again and again, both last year and this year. And Venus just went retrograde right during the time when Taurus was, when the sun was in Taurus this year. Mm -hmm. And so I put all, it put it all together. And of course I know my chart and it's like, you know what? I need to focus on Venus now because we have forgotten the Venusian qualities of love, beauty, abundance, pleasure, in our life, like we are much more Mars, go for it, get, be ambitious, you know, competitive. And um, so that's how I, that's how I resonate with Venus and, and feel like, and it's not just me. I mean, everybody who is connected intuitively as opposed to just mentally uh, is, is very much part of this awakening of the divine feminine energy. Absolutely. So. And you did mention um, the number 13 and, and that's interesting. And I want to talk a little bit about that. My dad was born on Friday, the 13th in April. Nice. And I remember being a young girl, but that was a scary day, right? Like it was a mm -hmm. Friday and it was the 13th and it was like, Ooh, don't see a black cat on Friday, the 13th. Don't walk under a ladder on Friday, the 13th. And, but it was my dad's birthday. And I was like, this is a great day, but but I was taught from a, from a little girl, like, oh no, 13 is a very unlucky number. And especially if it's Friday the 13th, that's a, a really unlucky day. So what do you think that conditioning is? Why do you think people have this aversion to the number 13? What does 13 represent? Um, talk to us a little bit about that. Cause I feel like there's been some societal programming yeah. around the number 13 and what it really means. It is totally programming. 
mean, it's indoctrination. There's nothing wrong with Friday, which is basically in the English language, Friday is Freya, which is Venus in the Nordic, um, uh, what do you call them? The myths, Nordic myths, Freya. Uh, and then in French, for example, Friday is Vendredi, which is Venus. So Friday is the day that Venus rules, uh, just like Saturday is ruled by Saturn and Sunday is ruled by the sun. You can go through all seven days of the week. So yeah, so Friday the 13th, it were put together because 13 is the number of the divine feminine. And the reason is, uh, why is 13 the number of the divine feminine? There are 13 weeks in a season and you multiply 13 times four and that gives us the 52 weeks of the year. And there are 13 moon nations in a year, meaning the full moon, new moon cycle. So 13 represents the cycles of earth, is the mother earth energy. And it's aligned with the moon, the lunar cycles and the weeks in a season. So it was always connected to the divine feminine. Now, why is it taken away? Why were we indoctrinated to not like Friday the 13th and the number 13? Because when the sacred masculine became unsacred, meaning uh, the shadow side of the masculine uh, thousands of years ago, they knew that if we understood and used 13 in our lives and understood the meaning of 13, that the control could not be complete. It would be, there would still be people who would teach, you know, use your intuition and be creative and listen to your inner voice. And, you know, that sixth sense should really be the first sense that listen to your first sense, which is your, your guides, divine source, giving you messages at all times. Uh, you never, you, you can never have fear when you are in that state, but they wanted you to feel fear because that's how the, the shadow side of the sacred masculine, which became unsacred, as I said, controls is through fear. So they removed certain feminine parts of our culture out of our culture completely and not only removed them, um, they literally denigrated them and, you know, made them instead of sacred, make them like, oh, well, this is a horrible thing, you know, be afraid, it's death, it's, you may die, <laughs> you know. So this is how they got us afraid of what is actually part, 50% of our, our life is, is the divine feminine, the sacred masculine is the other 50. So they basically overtook what was naturally part of keeping us in a state of balance. So hence the fear. <laughs> of that <laughs> yeah it's like I thank you for giving us that um explanation because a lot of this remembrance you know that I think a lot of people are going through is just kind of questioning like hmm, where did that belief come from or where you know people who are awakening and I feel like that's happening more and more and very quickly as we approach the end of this year and into next year um they're starting to just pay more attention to these beliefs or these thoughts that that maybe don't feel right or don't make sense. And I think that that was just a great classic example that I even had from, you know, a very young girl thinking that 13 was the worst number ever and so unlucky if you got it. And now to have this awareness of, no, that's like one of the most probably beautiful numbers that there are and then represents the divine feminine and how that's rising. I think that that's just 
so exciting. And if anybody else who's listening to this has, has felt the same, and maybe that's an aha moment for you too, that like we need to embrace, you know, sounds silly, but the number 13 because of what it represents um, at, a, yeah. at a bigger level. And I just want to mention here that Venus stationed retrograde on May 13th uh, this year, and then Mars's retrograde ends on November 13th. Now that's six months apart. And that is absolutely no coincidence. As usual, the universe is totally supporting this resurrection of mm -hmm. the 13. Basically to live fearlessly <laughs> is, is yep. what this is about. Because 13, I didn't even describe what does 13 mean aside from the divine feminine. It, it describes the cycle of life, death, rebirth. So it can be used to construe death, of course, because that's mm -hmm. part of the cycle that we go through with spring, summer, fall, winter is, you know, the actual recycling of energy and rebirthing it at all times. That's a natural thing. Change is natural. So the life death rebirth actually is incredibly empowering if you accept it into your life. So if you accept the four seasons and the natural cycles of life, just, just know that it is totally part of who you are to shift and change and grow at all times just like a seed grows is planted and grows and then the storm comes and you know it all of that is natural if you accept that you will be empowered and that's the true meaning of 13 is the empowerment through inspiration the empowerment through accepting in a flexible way that change is a constant and so this is really truly what this is about, as opposed to the linear thinking, this is spiral thinking, change is spiral, right? Linear thinking is, is, is the masculine, we're just gonna go for it, we're ambitious, we're gonna step on others to get, a, get to our goal, we're gonna be competitive, you know, they're winners, they're losers, good grades, bad grades, good colleges, bad colleges, you know, a good way of life, bad, you know, that's all linear. So we're, we've stripped our spiraling energy, which is, well, does going to college actually make sense to me? Does, you know, getting married and having kids and retiring at age 65 make sense to me? Um, let me intuitively look at that. Maybe I'm an artist. Maybe I don't need any of those things. Maybe, you know what I mean? It's like all of that. It opens up possibility and potential to the point where it's completely infinite. And this is what we want. It's not that we're taking the masculine away. We obviously need the drive, the passion, the forward momentum, the goals to move ahead, but we're bringing them into balance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I was chatting with a, a speaker on the show, his name's Aaron, and it was so lovely to have kind of a, a, a male perspective on what we're talking about, this divine feminine rising and the balancing of masculine and feminine energies on the planet. And, and it made me think a lot about that narrative that I really feel strongly about when he shared that, you know, as a little boy, his emotions were repressed. Mm. And as men kind of growing up, you know, they, they too were repressed in some way. And so yeah. as much as we speak about this patriarchy, patriarchal, um, unbalanced masculine energy and forces on the planet that have have caused the suppression of the feminine, it was also interesting to think about how that's also caused a suppression for the masculine. And I also feel like there is a, a rising of the sacred masculine happening, like you're saying, at the same time, the, the balancing yes. of both. That's a great point. I love that you said that. 
it definitely has been a suppression of the sacred masculine. Yes, the sacred. That's really what it's been. Um, and so when I say the divine feminine is, is coming back and bringing us into equilibrium, I mean within men and women. It's uh -huh. not about women at all. It has nothing to do with being a feminist or being uh -huh. nothing whatsoever. <laughs> this has to do with our inner balance, bringing intuition and bringing passion. So compassion and passion, right? Together in all of us and not to see men have a almost, I feel uh, more of a difficult time yep. because in a sense, they have been uh, in it, put on a pedestal. You look at you know religion and you look at mm -hmm. uh, anything really, politics, men have been put on a pedestal. And now it's like, oh my God, it was all fake. It was <laughs> literally built on quicksand. And now here they are uh, almost like emasculated, but they're mm -hmm. not, they need to be, uh, lovingly embraced and brought into this shift in a big way because we as as females natural born females we actually have just an easier sense of of, of intuiting it's just because we're mothers and you know we have that natural sense of what is where is my child <laughs> all of this but men have to be shown that it's okay to be both masculine and and have the feminine. And that's that I think is important. The other thing I wanna just point out because you made such a good point is the denigration of the sacred masculine has happened in a lot of women. There are a lot of women who are as unbalanced as the men. So it's not really about men and women. It is about what's within. Cause we know just as many women who are totally unbalanced and aggressive and competitive and you know, not yeah. using their intuition, right? So yeah. It's yeah, I think it's just such a great it's such a great topic and it's so, you know, if you're listening, it's such a good thing to just think about like in your in your own life, like how am I showing up and you know, how is my masculine energies are they nourished? Are my feminine energies nourished and how am I kind of you know, um alchemizing both of them and certainly in my reflection, you know, I followed the the criteria right of what success in the western world looks like oh you get straight a's you go to a really prestigious university you get a good career you get married you buy a house and it's like wait a minute whose life is this right and and through that climbing was a lot of masculine energy of of if you're producing results and you're always on you're rewarded and it got to a point, Tanya, for me, where I was just like burnt out. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. This is not who I really am. And so, you know, through this remembrance of like, wait a minute, who am, who am I? What am I doing? You know, I've, I've come to terms with there's something else. And this, this framework that so many of us are indoctrinated into has to fall away or people need to, I like how you said it, use your first sense. And, and into it, well, what do, you, what do you really think is the best path for you? Not what society is telling you is the path. Um, so I just share that because it's been, a, when you talked about the linear and the spiral thinking, I have been totally in the linear space and it hasn't been till recently I've allowed this other part of myself to come online. And so for those of you who are listening, if you too feel like you've been kind of in that 
indoctrination or feeling like that's how you're rewarded in society, I would just encourage you to sit with, well, who, who do you think you really are? And what are your passions? And what are you really, you know, excited about doing and start to do those other things more? <laughs> yeah, um, well, also, also to not blame yourself and feel guilty because you grew up in a society where the linear way was from day one taught to you so it's not like you had a lot of choices unless your parents were really awakened and you know like for example the way I was raised was without television we did not go to the you know hardly even to movies we were just creative at home it was a it was a Waldorf education my mom was a Waldorf teacher so it was really much about art and that's why you see in my bio composer so I actually never joined corporate I never joined any of that in fact, I left college without getting a higher degree because I knew the arts don't belong in academia because it was it was so anti what creativity really was. So, um, so like I said, we shouldn't feel guilty at all. We just are waking up to what it is we experience and see it as an experience and now create a new experience. That's all yes. it is. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yes, yeah. it's very, it's very um, reassuring to, to hear you say that. Um, and, and now I'm curious because that's another one of the questions that I had was, you know, how did astrology and numerology find you? So sometimes these divination arts kind of find the person and sometimes it's maybe the opposite. You have an experience with them and that is kind of your introduction. So I'm curious to learn more a little bit about just your, your history. It sounds like you had a very conscious kind of upbringing with a lot of arts. Um, how did astrology and numerology find you or vice versa? Well, it's interesting. My parents were both very artistic. My dad uh, was a poet. He, he owned his own health, his own insurance company, but so he was an entrepreneur, but he was a poet and musician. And my parents had a children's choir. I grew up in the German community outside of um, DC, uh, Washington, DC. And the German school wanted a choir and we were already playing music at church. Again, these are all patriarchal systems, I know, but you know, music was part of my life. It was literally uh, a huge part. So um, my dad also loved astrology. And when I was about 12 or 13, he introduced me to astrology. He showed me my chart and everything was hand-drawn. Of course, we didn't have computer printouts or anything back then. You had to calculate it all yourself. And he showed me my chart, my sister's charts. And because I've three sisters and I was like wow this is this is amazing it was all colored you know and everything with the houses and I was like I want to know more so he gave me books and that's how I was introduced to wow. astrology and that was wonderful and just to mention here because I'm a composer classical composer I astrology numbers music they all go together like Pythagoras invented the the scale the the actual scale that we use in music the western scale and he also was an astronomer, astrologer, numerologist, mathematician. So it's like the same part of the brain, I think. <laughs> so um, I naturally was attracted to codes, you know, musical codes and star codes. So then in college, when I went to college, which again, very linear experience, I loved new age bookstores and I would always go, you know, it's like my divine feminine experience. Was, <laughs> so I would go at least once a week, maybe more and just sit there and read books. And I came across a book on Pythagoras and the divine triangle. And I can't remember, I think it was Dusty Bunker and Faith Javon's book. Uh, it was called Pythagoras and the Divine Triangle, wonderful numerology book, which I still have. 
And I was, and of course I knew about the Pythagorean theorem from math. So I was like, what, Pythagoras, numerology? I didn't even know what numerology was. Anyway, that was my introduction. I started giving readings right away in the dorm to my <laughs> friends in my room. And everybody was like, wow, you know, my birthday says this, my birth name says that. So then I was completely hooked. And it's only later that I brought them together, like much later, they were separate divination arts for me because, hmm. you know, astrology and numerology was, and still now you don't find astro-numerologists. They're still considered separate. Yeah. Uh, that's what the, the lower masculine energy did. It separated everything from each other so that we didn't have unity consciousness, which is now coming back. Yeah. So once I realized, oh my God, astrology charts have degree numbers and I'm a numerologist as well. I, I then realized this is, this is amazing. And that's when, you know, everything opened up for me. And now I can't even imagine looking at anything without using both numbers and the transits in the progressions and everything I, I need to have both you because do. it goes much deeper <laughs> it does and I love how you just weave. I mean it feels very organic the way you speak about both and on a lot of your star code updates um it's I don't even feel like I could imagine you doing it without you know knowing that this is the date yeah. that's happening on and the degrees it it seems like a very natural unison yeah I mean just look at the number 11 everybody knows 11 11 that's a phenomenon and, you know, this Mercury retrograde that's that's in October, November starts at 11 degrees. And there's a reason. It's double new beginnings energy. It's huge. So we need to look at degree numbers and we need to combine them. So, again, it's all about unity consciousness. We need to unify it all, bring it all back into our experiential uh, sense. You know, experience doesn't cut out, put things into boxes. It's just a whole enchilada of feelings and and thoughts and you know senses they're all one you know and so I guess psychology sort of started understanding that um, last century but now we're into combining it spiritually and with a lot of meaning and understanding so we can go even beyond psychology which also has its limits mm -hmm. because it, it it shuts out certain parts of your experience which are intuitive and spiritual right so yeah. Um, one more thing about that, Carl Jung was an astrologer, and that is not taught at academia. Acad academia. So they leave out that, that Johannes Kepler, a famous uh, astronomer, was also an astrologer. They do not teach that. This is the masculine system that just cuts things into pieces. We have to remember that these were transcendental human beings who understood energy. So we can't just, like P Pythagoras said, astrology is the inner star and and um, astronomy, the outer star, right? So wow. the outer experience and mathematics, same thing is the defining of the outer codes and then numerology, the inner codes. Mm -hmm. So we need both the divine feminine and sacred masculine, right? The visible and yeah. invisible. Yeah. Oh, amazing. So it sounds like you had early exposure um, through your school upbringing yes. and then college and then kind of this unification of both of these divination arts. Um, and then is the, like the rest history, you just kind of went full <laughs> into to this work? Well, I no, I went into numerology first uh -huh. online, yeah. uh, 2007, I believe. And then by 2009 or 10, no, 2009. 2009, I had integrated both because as I was giving numerology readings, I realized, you know, there's, there's more I can do. 
for my mm -hmm. clients and I need to incorporate astrology. And then I quickly brought them together. Amazing. Yeah. And then I created Numerology Academy, which teaches astro-numerology in 2011. And that was when I started teaching what I was, um, you know, coaching people on. Yeah. yeah. And we'll definitely link to the Numerology Academy in the show notes. So if anyone's interested in learning more, you know, you can check out that amazing offering. Um, I, I too was introduced to astrology when I was a young girl. My mom was very much into it and she gave me a book and it was, it's, I still have it. It's a big purple book and it's called the only astrology book you'll ever need. <laughs> and I remember getting it and I did the same thing. I did my own chart, but I drew it myself, you know, as a, as a young, mm. as a young girl and have just always been like a huge fan of, of astrology learning more. And, and I think it's such a great tool and resource for people just for some uh, deeper insight into kind of who they are or what maybe some of their natural tendencies are, things to look out for. Um, and so I want to talk a little bit about how, how can astrology and numerology help somebody who, you know, is, is looking for maybe to evolve on their healing journey or to get more insights into kind of who they are, how can this be kind of a helpful tool for them in their own remembrance, really? Well, any self-awareness helps you with self-growth. And definitely when you just look at your birth code, like let's say your birthday, you have two very important numbers, the day of your birth, like 14th, 28th, whatever it may be. And then the full birthday number, which is called life purpose, where you add all, up all the digits. That in itself, if you only look at that, gives you a lot of feedback on who you are what you're here to do, what your gifts are, the shadow side. It, it's a, it's just frequency that you're dealing with. You were born with a specific frequency. And with numerology, the great thing is if you have identical twins, then you have the birth certificate name. So that differentiates the twins from each other. Whereas in astrology, you don't have that. So you were, your parents gave you a name and that birth certificate name shows your destiny. It shows your career environment, right? So that's a huge plus too, just to know that. Uh, then when we move into bringing things up to now, looking at your cycles now, you can do that with, of course, astrology, but also numerology. You can look at personal days, months, years, give the, the potential, the energetics, the frequencies that are in play, what to watch for, what it, what is it? a good year for or a month for now. Um, so you can plan, you don't have to feel badly if you don't have as much energy during a certain year or month than other years and months, right? So you can even plan dates like important launches. So it's great for that. And it integrates, again, it integrates your code from birth to now. So it's not a separate oh, let's look at the horoscope for today in the magazine. This is totally, uh, completely disconnected from you. It doesn't make sense. But whether you look at, when you look at your own code and take it forward, then it really, really deepens. It's not that you shouldn't know what's going on, you know, in general, like we were just talking about Mercury retrograde 11 degrees. That's important to know for everyone. But when you really want to know, well, where's that Mercury in my chart? And do I have 11 in my birthday? Um, then this Mercury retrograde is going to be even more potent for me because I was born on the 29th, which reduced to 11. So it's things like that. You start connecting the dots. This is the spiral kind of living. It's just really seeing the big picture 
And with astrology, as we know, the same thing. You get your birth chart. You know so much just from looking at where the planets are, even before you go into how they connect to each other, which houses they're in. You learn so much about who you are, how people respond to you, how you come across to others. You learn about your career, your relationships, your health. I mean, so truly what it is is self-awareness and to me self-awareness is the path to to the most beautiful transcendental kind of living because you're constantly in a place of receptivity and observation and it's beautiful so mm -hmm. it's a great tool for that i am so i mean the hearing this it's like why wouldn't you want to know this information <laughs> like i feel like i need to book my my star code reading with because I would love to have, you know, the professional and here I am like doing my own self self study and, you know, trying to understand, but somebody who's dedicated so, so much of their life energy to this, I feel like sign me up because I would love to. And I feel like there's so many people now too, who are like, who are maybe searching, you know, they, they yeah. have this, um, the energy I've been talking to a lot of girlfriends about this. It's just like an unsettled kind of feeling. And, you know, what a great tool or resource to gain a deeper access to the energy that you're bringing in and maybe get a little more clarity if you're feeling like you, you would be supported with getting a little more clarity on some things than diving into this, this work. I think it's so helpful. Um, I, you know, have a, a Scorpio rising. And so I learned that that's like how people might, um, how maybe I'm presenting myself out to the world. And so I, I also, <laughs> my mom would always say, oh, that's your Scorpio sting. She would start to like say <laughs> little comments. Like if I was, you know, making a little yeah. jab or being brutally honest about something, she kind of like tagged that my Scorpio sting. And I was like, you know, if you could just work on your delivery, it would be so much better. I'm like, but I'm telling you the truth. And that's just how it comes out. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just, it's also so fun to kind of bring this energy in into your world and into your life and yeah have that awareness right totally it helps you understand others like your mom understood you you know yes the delivery on how she understands you is is another story but it's still you get an awareness the self-awareness extends to the awareness of how others yeah. are responding so if you have close family or children parents siblings, close friends, that's very important because mm -hmm. everybody's buttons are pushed. And yeah. when you know more about how their buttons um, are expressed when they're pushed, then you're like, okay, I will lay off because this is typical yeah. blah, 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 right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? So yes. let, me just, let me just let her or him go through their experience. <laughs> and Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And the other, the other one I'll share is my husband. He's a Leo, son and Leo, but his, his, his rising is cancer. So I have a whole new, you know, here he is like Leo, right. And charismatic and, but underneath, like his underbelly is very sensitive and he likes his home and he, yeah. you know, and I would get so frustrated because I'm like seeing him as this Leo, but then really there's this underlying kind of sweetness and sensitivity that I kind of forgot about and so now I learned to kind of approach him with that you know, more mm -hmm. passionate nurturing knowing that that's his underbelly um 
So yeah, I couldn't agree more that having just a little insight into your family members, which brings up another question, Tanya, what if somebody doesn't know the time of their birth? Because I know that's so critical when you're calculating this for people. Um, how do you work with people who maybe just don't have access to that information, but would still would like to learn more about their codes? Well, you know, the numerology helps with that as, as well, because they do know their birthday and their birth name. Mm -hmm. um, there are a couple things. One is you can do chart rectification. Uh, it takes a long time. And that's basically where an astrologer asks you pivotal moments in your life and goes backwards because you know, we have the birthday, we have the birthplace, we just don't have the time. Uh, go backwards and see, okay, you can tell based on triggers in the transits progressions and arcs, which are a, a tool to forecast or look back uh, when these events may have occurred and, and more precisely locate where the moon is because the moon moves one degree every two hours and that's 12 degrees in a 24 hour period. So once we can pinpoint some deeply, it, you know, like graduation, marriage, a death in the family, a major illness, mm -hmm. um, a celebration of some kind, you know, new job, whatever it may be, big, bigger events, uh, we, or a move, you know, big, big move. Mm -hmm. um, we can look and maybe see, okay, this person was born much, much more close between 10, 11 a.m. or around that time. That's one way, but that takes a lot of time. Yeah. The second thing is, is to create a 12 p.m. chart, which is right in the middle of the day. It doesn't mean you know the houses because you don't, but you can at least notice how um, the planets are relating to each other. And then look when the transits come in and transits are what's happening right now in the planets in the skies. You can uh, connect them to a chart but you don't look at the 12 houses. That's the only thing you, you cannot look at that very important, uh, where is this taking place in my life component? You know, so there are ways to do it. But, and then the third thing I want to say is in a relationship reading, you can put a person who doesn't know their time uh, in a compatibility with a person who does and see how they relate to each other from that other person's perspective. So if person A knows their time, person B doesn't, you can put person B's on A's chart and see where, how they respond to each other from person A's perspective. So it's still possible to do that as well. Yeah. That's good. So that's nice to know that if somebody doesn't have access to the time that they were born or their birth certificate for whatever reason, that they can still glean some insights that sounds that there's clearly some ways to kind of get some insights, maybe not all of them, but I wouldn't feel, you know, that if you don't know the time of your birth, for example, that this wisdom isn't accessible to you. I think oh, no. it definitely is. Yeah. And also one thing I always tell clients who contact us is ask everybody who was around at the time of your birth, aunts, uncles, uh, whoever would have been there and known, what were they doing? Were they eating breakfast? Were they mm -hmm. just about to sit down for dinner when they heard the news? you know, what was going on? Because then you can literally start pinpointing things. Uh, even a best friend of mom who, you know, is called by dad, you know, oh, whatever. Just ask some questions. It might take a while, but you might get, oh my God, it actually was mid-afternoon. Yeah. You know? 
It's a great yeah. clue. Because probably people, yeah. you know, other people around will remember or have some. Yeah, they will remember what they're doing sometimes. If they have that kind of memory, they will. Oh, yeah, I remember exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's a great insight. Um, so, you know, I love to, when I chat with folks on Return of Ritual, just kind of dive into a little bit of maybe your morning or evening rituals or practices that you're doing. And so um, maybe you could just give us a little glimpse into, you know, an ideal day for you and what kind of rituals that you're using to kind of connect to the divine and um, maybe astrology is part of that, you know, certainly it probably is, but just curious, what, what do you do either in the morning or the evening that is, that is your ritual? When I wake up, I literally just immerse myself in a very blissful energy. So I don't think, I feel, I basically don't think about the day at all when I first wake up. And I lie in bed and I just feel the bliss of the divine energy. I just, it's almost like, um, I'm floating. I just feel so good. It's like you're flooding your whole body with positive, beautiful, joyful, mm -hmm. creative energy. And you can do this many ways. You can put a golden grid around. You can, and I, I, what I do is I ask for the divine light, the high vibrational light to come into me. And in turn, I will reflect that light out throughout the day. So that's, that's basically the ritual and it can last long or it can just last for a few seconds. Um, it changes every morning, <laughs> depending, I guess, on what I need. And, um, and then in the evening, I do my, my, I just look at the gratitude of the day and I do this throughout the day. Um, but in at night before bed, I just literally just say, oh, I'm so grateful for this, this and this. And it doesn't it's not negative positive. It's just I'm grateful that I learned this from this experience, um, that I didn't react when this happened. You know, it's, it's that it's not just like, oh, I'm grateful I, I earned some money today. It's not actually really about that. It's so um, and it's very peaceful because it puts me again in that state of of bliss and everything's good and trust. And I guess the way I approach things is I move away from fear. Everything I do is to move away from being afraid of what might happen. So I make sure that I listen to beautiful music throughout the day at some point that I go out in nature or at least partake in my home in you know, watching nature out of one of my windows if I can't get out that day, but I, or I go for a swim, something to say hello to the sun. So really what it is, is um, what was the word that came to me when you asked me the question? Oh, it's engagement. Mm -hmm. The word engagement came to me. So full engagement in the moment, appreciation and engagement. I think that's almost like a constant ritual in my day. Yeah. Yeah. Those are some beautiful examples and I just love how thematically you're practicing moving away from fear or of being afraid of what might happen and I think that that is so crucial for the time that we're in yeah um 
even just as a daily practice, but at a macro level with all of the energies that we have swirling around and all of the forecasts that you can kind of see going forward into October, November, December, and into the new year, like, I feel like if more and more people could practice this, this moving away from fear, the better off we would be. So how do we, how do we make that like really attainable? What does it mean to move away from fear or how are you really practicing that? Like, cause it's great to conceptualize. I can totally get on board with the mm-hmm. concept of I'm moving away from fear, but like when I feel really afraid about something like, oh my gosh, I'm scared shitless. But if I take that leap of faith, like the net won't catch me and I'm going to mm-hmm. you know, fumble to the ground and not be able to get back up. Like, how do you really kind of metabolize that practice? How are you? Tell me more. Well, okay. <laughs> so the engagement in fear happens based on the choices you make. So it's really the choices you make. You always have a choice. So if you feel yourself going there, we all go there. We just have to turn on the news or read whatever and we can be right in there <laughs> right from one moment to the next so the choice we make is the uh, comes through the self-awareness the observation how does this make me feel mm-hmm. well the way i'm thinking for example when i'm reading when i'm partaking in if if i don't feel high vibrational if it's not enhancing my life and that's what i mean by full engagement you're fully engaged you're not just separating yourself from the experience you're having because subconsciously the fear may be going in while you're engaging in something and you don't even realize it because you're not fully engaged. You're not paying attention mm. to how a conversation or whatever you're doing, whatever you're reading, whatever you're focusing on is making you feel. And unconscious is where it all goes. The fear is all unconscious, it basically oh. is unconscious. So the more conscious we are and observe and are self-aware, the less it's practically impossible to be in fear because when you're present you can't be afraid because you're not in the past or the future you're present you're conscious you're engaged the fear comes fear of something that hasn't happened and it's based on something that has you you know about is the past so the engagement itself eliminates and basically There is no potential for fear to enter your system when you are fully engaged and listening. So we could be talking about anything. We could be talking about death, which is everybody's greatest fear Mm -hmm. and be totally unafraid if we just understand it is natural part of life and to be in acceptance of that instead of being uh, afraid (laughs) of something that is natural. So again, the changes that are going on right now in the world are just uh, you know, who would have, who would have thought, right? Who would yeah. have thought, like, right? Yeah. And so if we had known, imagine we had known on New Year's Day that our life would be evolving like this, we'd be like scared shitless, right? Yeah. What are we yeah. doing? Yeah. We'd basically not live. We would yeah. stop living. We'd say, oh my God, that's it. Mm-hmm. I'm done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm not yeah. going there. But we didn't, we didn't know. And that was, that, that's the gift that we have is the, the present moment is where we stay awake and aware and can handle anything, no matter what. We know people who have handled incredible things 
horrific things mm -hmm. and even exhilarating things that people would be afraid of like public speaking in front of you know whatever that's that's not a horrific thing but it people are afraid of it how do they do it well they surrender they surrender to the moment they that's all they do it's actually simple but because of our brain we've complicated it because we think so much we need to stop that part. The thinking is for practical things. It's not to solve your life. Just remember that you solve your life through intuition and you use your mind to drive to the, you know, the, the whole foods, wherever you, you know, create your schedule for the next day, know what time it is, you know, all this stuff, but you don't use your mind to solve your life. Okay. You use your intuition and that means being present and engaging. So I guess that's, I hope that answers it. It's really the surrender. Right. It answers it amazingly. And, and it's just a little reminder, I think, for all of us to kind of tap into the body. You know, I was having a conversation last night, um, witnessing actually a conversation that was political and was getting heated on both sides. And I was just listening and holding space, but I could literally, I didn't have the awareness through the majority of the conversation. But at the end, I just noticed like my, a, a knot in my stomach and my body was like, tense and tight and I had just felt and absorbed all of this debate that I was witnessing and it did not feel good and so I think you know maybe for that little example um, of how we can be more fully engaged in the present moment for me I'm feeling like it's really just noticing your body and the bot the signs that the body is maybe yeah. give you so that you can reacquaint yourself with that wisdom that your body never lies. It's going to be telling you this is yes and this is a no. And so if we can just remember that and start to practice that, you know, maybe I would have made a different decision last night when I was listening to this debate um, of how to maybe potentially change something or intervene in a certain way or, or, you know, maybe it would have happened differently had I had that deeper awareness more like at the beginning or when yeah. it was happening versus kind of an afterthought, like the conversation was done. And then I realized, oh my gosh, I just absorbed or felt so yucky in my body. Um, You're so right. Awareness earlier that could have helped, you know? Yeah. Your body is your first antenna to the divine. Like what you feel in your throat, your heart, your solar plexus, those are sensations that are sent to you based on the state that you're being in right now. So, and in this time of, of where people can get so deep into the conflict part and I'm right, you're wrong kind of thing. Like we need to know uh, how to protect ourselves. We, we literally have to listen to our body. Like if we hear that happening, like you did yesterday and it's, you know, like I said, it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, you can literally say, I'm gonna extricate myself from this. Or if there is an opening to actually speak and there is actual listening on the other side, then you can speak, but it has to go both ways and your body will tell you right away, very quickly, you know, your throat will get tight. For me, because I'm a Taurus, you know, governs mm -hmm. the throat. So I always feel it there first. You need to also know what your sun sign rules because that would be good because sometimes you will feel it specifically there. Yeah. Um, listening to your body is, you are a physical being 
that is your, your home is physical. So your soul is living in this physical home. Your soul is communicating through your body. So your body's gonna always tell you, always, if you listen closely. So the food we eat is very important because if we eat junk food or we drink a lot or smoke, whatever it is, you know, our body will be much more shut down, nebulous, foggy. It won't recognize symptoms. It won't give you those clues. So again, that the higher vibrational living involves the, the eating, the drinking, the water, the pure water. <laughs> what, you know, the Masaro Umoto, what do you say when you cook your food? What do you say when you drink your water? What are you thinking about? All of those things impact your ability to recognize those symptoms you're talking about, mm -hmm. right? Not symptoms, but those signs, I should say, yeah. that appear. So yeah, very, that's the self-awareness. It's going back to keen observation and self-awareness. Absolutely. Yeah, and even in just like, you know, cooking as a ritual, like all of these things that you just mentioned and all of these beautiful kind of terms that we can attach to them, you know, full engagement while you're cooking, consciously, you know, having a dialogue, being very mindful of your language and the words that you choose. I've had some yeah. really interesting conversations on, on the podcast about um, language and different words that we're using and having that awareness, like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know I was saying that. And look what that's perpetuating out into the world. And so, um, that's so true. It's so true. That's why numerology is important because the study of names, current names and, and birth names, it's about frequency. So words have frequency. Yep. It's like music. Certain songs don't make you feel good. Certain music makes you feel wonderful. Same with the words. The words you choose are critical. They all have meaning. They all have a root. They all were created with a certain intention in mind. Mm -hmm. You need to know what those those things mean. Like wealth does not mean money. It means well-being. You need to know the roots of the words, right? So I know this takes a lot of, uh, you know, it takes time, but but here's the thing. If What are we going to do if we don't live life consciously and with meaning? So is it worth even living that kind of life where you're just completely, you know, you're separated from everything you're doing and saying and that makes no sense. That's not really living. <laughs> you know, that's just regurgitation with no connection at all. Mm -hmm. You have no roots. You're just basically um, almost like fibbing your way through life because you're not connected to the impact you have on yourself and others. So yeah, I, I love that you brought up words and again, yeah. it ties into frequency. And I do have a question on that. What about, you talk about your birth name. What about your married name? How does, how do you, uh, do you ask for people to provide you with both and you read both? Yeah, I, when I give readings, the first thing I do actually is your current name, whether that's a married name or not. It's the name you choose to use that's on social media, credit cards, bank accounts, um, the way you see, say, and sign it. It's very important. It needs to be one name that's fortunate. So for birth names, it's not fortunate or challenging. It just is a frequency. For current names, totally different branch of numerology, hmm. different alphabet uh, too different way of calculating, it shows me your frequency calling card. So if you use two names, for example, one with the middle initial and one without, remember this is math, initials all have a frequency. So if you have two names, uh, it's like giving the universe two calling cards and it's confusing and it will dissipate your energy. 
So the current name is separate from the birth name. It's what you choose. Your birth name is not what you choose. It is highly important because it shows how difficult or, or easy your life is, whether you're attracting events that are supportive of you, people who are supportive of you, or events that are challenging people that are challenging you. So it is a huge topic as well. And one that I do for business names, websites, it's not just your current name. It, it, again, it's all frequency. Okay. I guess that's like, the one answer. <laughs> I, I'm like dying to have you do, do my name readings because I had had um, a wonderful psychic reading with a, a, a dear friend, Ronnie, and she, it was at the time where I was getting married and she did my birth name and then my, what my married name would be. And I was kind of indifferent about changing my name when getting married. I was like, oh, you know, like, I'm, I don't feel either drawn either way. And um, she was like, I advise, do what you want to do. But she's like, I would advise that you change your name to your married name when she had done her calculations. And so um, I always joke with, with friends. I'm like, well, you know, I, the reason I changed my name was the psychic told me to because my numerology was better. But when she, when she actually shared, it was like, oh yeah, the energy that you brought in was like heavy burdens and carrying everybody else's stuff. And then she calculated the new the new name Amber Winston which is what my name is right now she's like oh this is this is like the manifester and I would change your name and I was like totally bought it I was like I'm doing it and I literally went to social security that day and changed everything and um hopefully I made the right decision <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't know what system she used there there are like I said the Pythagorean western system which is for your birth name and a lot of neurologists use that also for your current name I use the ancient Chaldean system which is the Sumerian yes um which is based on sound and it is specifically for current names oh my gosh I'm so excited yeah. I want to do mine <laughs> I need to do that um and it was funny too because I was my birth name I was given two first names my parents couldn't decide. Oh. And so they were I, on my birth certificate, it's Amber hyphen Marie. And they were like, well, you could just pick which name you want. Like, and we didn't, we couldn't decide. So it was Amber Marie spring. Cause I was born on the first day of spring. And then Hamer was my maiden name. And um, now that you say like having two kind of calling cards and two different energies, that couldn't be more accurate for my life in like this corporate world and then this like spiritual world and just being very much in two worlds and a lot of my work has been like coming together with all of that and so mm -hmm. to hear you just say that our names have a frequency they have an energy I'm just blown away I I it makes total sense to me <laughs> my personal experience from having this ch chat with you so thank you for that sure. <laughs> oh my goodness well I know we're we're running out of time here and I just felt like we could cover off on so many different topics. Um, before I wrap up, you know, maybe we can just talk a little bit about um, the way that people can get in touch with you. Um, I'll certainly link to your website, but I do know that you have a really great free webinar um, going on currently called the Venus Mars Code uh, webinar. And so do you mind just sharing a little bit about that and what people might be able to glean from attending that? Sure, like we're coming full circle. We started with the Divine Feminine Sacred Masculine. This webinar I just created, it's an hour long webinar that goes into Venus and Mars and how we're now discovering the true meaning, the Divine Feminine Sacred Masculine and how we're activating that in our lives. So it goes into the number 13, 
it goes into the importance of the sacred part of Mars and the past, how it was looked at versus, you know, the, the um, truly uplifting, high vibrational masculine, and then looks at Venus very, very deeply. Uh, there's also the words that resonate to V and M. Uh, M is the 13th letter of the alphabet and Mars begins with M. It's so interesting. And, you know, I go into those symbolic meanings of those letters, how they're being used. For example, isn't it interesting? Mother in most languages is an M and Mars is M. Mm. And I go the same with V. V is connected to the letter F in many languages. You, v is pronounced like, like that. And so why is father, the Venus, an F? So that's how the universe, I go into all of that. It's really fascinating oh. stuff. So that's how we got balanced naturally yeah. through just the letters of these important words, you see? So we need to know this to just feel connected again mm -hmm. to frequency. So this webinar, you can see at venusmarscode.com and just, you know, sign up and you can watch it instant access. So it's, it's really cool. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you for that. I'm definitely interested and um, we'll link to that in the show notes and we'll also link to, to Tanya's beautiful website too. So you guys can check out um, all of her offerings. Um, I'm certainly excited to check them out myself. I hope you guys are just as excited as I am. Uh, the last kind of question that I have is usually anything else that's on your heart that you'd like to share with the audience. I know the one thing that we didn't really get to touch upon is just kind of moving through the end of this year, which I feel like a lot of people are kind of really curious about and if there's anything maybe that you can see from your forward-looking uh you know projections into november and december as we kind of move into the new year um anything else maybe you wanted to share around that or if there's something else that wants to come through it's up to you no that's what came through before you even said it. Okay, good. so we are going through the most intense part of the year now in October, November, and into early December. So just know that the Mars retrograde ends on the 13th of November, then it takes a while to move forward. In the meantime, we have a lot of other important events like eclipses that start in November and December as well. It's very intense, the energy. Um, so just be aware of holding back, being patient, breathing, not going into the rabbit hole of drama. Then the really good news is on December 21st, eight years after the Mayan calendar ended and restarted the 26,000 year Mayan calendar. By the way, the Mayans are connected to Venus because Venus has a 260 day cycle and the Mayan calendar is 26,000 years and it was inspired by Venus, the whole calendar. Wow. So, so that calendar ended eight years ago. Eight is the infinity number. And then on the solstice, right? 12, 21, 2012, we remember that. Then eight years later, this year, 2020, we have Saturn and Jupiter conjunct at zero degrees, meaning they're joined together in Aquarius, which begins the Aquarian age. So we begin the Aquarian age on the solstice this year, the winter solstice in the Northern hemisphere. This is huge and it, the changes that are gonna, the flexibility, the fluidity, the openness is going to really shift after that. And because 2021 is a five, which is also about freedom and shifts and pivot points and being very open and flexible, these two events are coming together in the astro numerology to 
truly set us free. The liberation will, will complete itself next year. So just be aware we're, we're almost there and just stay calm. Hmm. Don't react. Be in a place of total, total peace. This is what we need. We need people to hold the peace and not get engaged in conflict. That's the end of the, the masculine. Like we're in, there's so much conflict now because the, you know, fighting for its dear life. Like I'm still here. No, you're not. You're being changed. I'm sorry, but we're just going to hold the space for beautiful peace right now. <laughs> right. And it's coming. The Aquarian age is about freedom and liberation and moving forward into the future in a way that we've never done before. It's multidimensional. It's intergalactic. It's really, really exciting. So that's the really super good news. I love ending on good news. <laughs> yes. Thank you for that prediction into the, into what's to come. And um, yeah, you know, I, anybody who's listening, you know, let's all just hunker down on December 21st and just, you know, root into mother earth and shine our lights and kind of really be in that beautiful vibrational energy and, and maybe, you know, design a conscious ritual around this, this ushering in of a new era. It's, it's going to be very exciting and I'm, I'm so grateful and excited to know that the end is near. Um, and thank you for that, for sharing what's to come in the next couple of months. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, Tanya. It's been so insightful for me personally. And I hope everybody who's listened to this has also felt really inspired by your work and everything that you're doing and bringing into the world. So thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's been my pleasure, Amber. I really enjoyed this interview and just connecting with you and your followers and appreciate everything you're doing to help enlighten us and delight us. So it's beautiful. So thank you. I really appreciate it.